What do eight bags of concrete mix, a cooler full of 30-pound sea bass, and a 10-inch compound miter saw have in common? They're all things that are easier to load in and out of the bed of the new F-150. Thanks to its new available pro-access tailgate, that's also a swing gate. The new 2024 Ford F-150, tough this smart, can only be called F-150. Available starting early 2024, pro-access tailgate available starting spring 2024, cargo and load capacity limited by weight and weight distribution. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, and welcome to the Riddle World Baseball Podcast. I'm DJ Short. This is the latest episode in our team check-in series. And if you're listening for the first time, welcome, first of all. Welcome to the show. Happy to have you. Uh, But basically what we're doing with this series is talking to a beat reporter or a beat writer from each team just to sort of summarize the offseason and look ahead to the start of the 2017 season. Uh, You know, big storylines, players to watch, things like that. We've already done a bunch of these episodes. Uh, Just this week, we've done episodes on the White Sox and the Blue Jays. Uh, But today, I'm talking Yankees with Brian Hoke of MLB.com. But before we get into that, a quick reminder to subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. Uh, You guys have been awesome so far. We're getting lots of good feedback, but any help you can provide would be much appreciated. Okay, let's talk to Brian Hoke from MLB.com. Hey, Brian. Uh, first off, thanks for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. Sure, no problem. Happy to be on. And how's Florida so far? <laughs> I, uh, well, it's a lot better than it was in New York, I yeah. can tell you that. Um, the Yankees have been on the field a couple days now. Um, it's nice to see baseball back in action. I, I feel like you're, uh, you're getting a little bit earlier start because it's a World Baseball Classic year, but uh, you know, I'm never going to complain about them getting into Grapefruit League games. So we'll get uh, another week or so of uh, pitcher and catcher workouts, and then uh, we can actually start uh, watching some games with the scoreboard working. Yeah, can't wait to see that. Uh, well, with the Yankees, around the trade deadline last year, it looked like they were waving the white flag, which is something we never see from them. And we know they'll never go into a full rebuild, but they decided to trade Aroldis Chapman, Andrew Miller, Carlos Beltran, bolster the farm system a little bit. And that certainly happened in, the, in those deals. They were widely praised, uh, Gleyber Torres, Clint Frazier, guys like that. But then a funny thing happened, and that funny thing is Gary Sanchez. And the Yankees ended up making things a little bit interesting down the stretch. Um, I'm going to start out asking you about Sanchez, that historic output that he had as a rookie, 20 home runs in 53 games, uh, made a run at the AL Rookie of the Year. Um, I know he's made some strides in the minors over the past couple of seasons, but where did this come from? And what is a realistic expectation for him moving forward? Set an incredibly high bar for himself, and I think there's going to be a ton of pressure on him this year. Yeah, it could be, and I, I think he's handled it pretty well. Uh, he, he seems like he's been dealing with the, the increased attention and the media and the fan attention uh, pretty well. And I think he's a pretty level-headed kid, but uh, no, the bar is set impossibly high. He's not going to hit 80 home runs. It's just not going to happen. But uh, where did that come from? 
He's been on a couple tears like that before. If you remember a couple years ago in the Arizona Fall League, he, he was very productive there, but uh, he's never had a, a surge like that. 20 home runs in 53 games, that's just uh, that's unheard of. But I think where the bar is set now is he is one of the top catchers in the American League. Let's start there. Uh, he's somebody that the Yankees can build around, put in the heart of their lineup, and uh, they're going to be counting on Gary Sanchez, both offensively and defensively. I, I think that He's made great strides. Uh, people in the organization talk a lot about how he's more mature now, uh, about how he really woke up. You know, there were some uh, some incidents where he was down a level and suspended once in the minors. And, and but it and feels like Sanchez has been around forever, but it's really hard to remember. He's only 23, 24 years old. He's got a bright future ahead of him, and I, I think you saw a glimpse of what he can do. When he's hot, he can carry a team like he did in August and September. Uh, the Yankees could definitely use that this year. And now to someone who didn't fare nearly as well in his first stint in the majors, and that's Aaron Judge. We know the power potentials there, but 42 strikeouts in 95 plate appearances before going down with that oblique injury last year. It sounds like he's going to get every chance to secure that starting right field job during spring training, but the Yankees have options. So do you think it's a sure thing that he starts the season in the majors? No, I don't. I, I think that he needs to go out and prove that he's ready to take that job. I, I think the Yankees would like him to. Um, you know, uh, your alternative there is having Aaron Hicks in right field. And, you know, Hicks looked okay at times when uh, he got a chance to play every day, but certainly as a fourth outfielder, uh, he was he was quite so far. So I think that their preference would be that Judge steps up, announces himself, and, and says, I'm ready. Uh, you can't deny me. I'm, I'm coming north with the team. But like you said, they have options. Uh, if they had to start the season with uh, Hicks in right field and Judge needs to go back down to AAA for a little more season, they can do that too. Um, but I think you're going to see Aaron Judge in New York one way or the other this year. And I think, uh, look, he's got a history at AA, AAA. Uh, he struggles when he first gets a taste of the league, and then he adjusts to that. So uh, they've seen it at two different levels, and they think they're going to see it in the major leagues too. So. Uh, look, uh, I think the key for him is cutting down on those strikeouts. Like he's 42, and I, I believe it's 84 at bats. I mean, that's 50%. That's not going to fly. Um, I, I think you saw a glimpse of what it could be. Obviously, the home run in his first at bat, he hit uh, three other ones. Um, there, there's a lot there. There's a lot to like with Judge, but I think if you're going to have those Giancarlo Stanton comparisons, uh, he's got a little ways to go for that. So I think that. Uh, their preference would be that Judge comes out and tears the cover off the ball in a great league at seven, eight homers, and uh, he's ready to go for opening day. But we'll see how that goes. Um, I'm also intrigued by this first base DH situation, and especially more recently, uh, just to see how it all shakes out. Greg Bird is back after missing the full season with the torn labrum and the surgery associated with that. Um, and it looked like he was going to share at bats with Tyler Austin at first base, but then the Yankees went out and signed Chris Carter to a bargain basement deal. Um, so are the Yankees looking at Carter as an insurance policy for Bird in case Bird needs some more time in the minors? How are they going to juggle things here between first base and DH, also adding Matt Holliday to the mix? Yeah, I think in part they are. Um, as Joe Girardi said the other day, it's hard to turn down a guy who hits 41 home runs. So that's what they got with Carter. They don't spend a lot if it doesn't work out and it doesn't really kill them uh, financially. So, uh, yeah, it is an insurance policy. I think that a lot of fans were excited about the idea that you'd have Greg Bird and Tyler Austin maybe as a lefty-righty platoon, and 
what Carter signing really does is it, it hurts Austin's chances of making the team because I, I do think Bird's going to make the team if he's healthy. Um, you saw the promise at the end of 2015, and but I, I don't think you can discount the fact that there might be a layoff. Um, he didn't play any first base in the Arizona Fall League. He didn't really hit a whole lot out there either. So I think uh, there may be it may take some time for Bird to get his feet back under him again. Uh, Carter obviously. Hungary has something to prove. Um, I, I think that he was considering possibly going to Japan, but didn't want to do that. Um, certainly, he didn't expect to be signing for one year and $3.5 million after you tied for the National League lead last year in home runs. So uh, I, I think that you're going you're gonna to get some power. You're going to get some strikeouts out of Carter. But if he winds up playing only against left-handed pitchers, uh, that, that means pretty good things for Greg Bird. For sure. Um the Yankees traded Brian McCann this offseason before adding Matt Holiday, but they still have some other veterans who could make sense as trade candidates as they transition into basically this new era for the franchise. Moving Jacoby Osbury and his huge contract probably going to be very difficult, but how close did the Yankees come to dealing either Brett Gardner or Chase Headley this offseason? Not that close. It didn't really get to any kind of final negotiations, but as you know, uh, Brian Cashman was pretty upfront about everything. Uh, they dangled them out there, and they, they let teams know that Gardner and Headley were there for the taking, and the reason for that was the Yankees needed a starting pitcher, which they never wound up getting. Uh, they never wound up getting, but they wanted to, and they were willing to give up either one of those guys for it, and they, they were willing to give up, give up some of the farm system, too. Um, but nothing came along, and they decided that uh, rather than give away a guy like Gardner, Headley didn't really get too much interest out there, but uh, they could have moved Gardner if they wanted to, but they felt they were better with him in left field, um, at, at least to start the year. And it's something they could revisit later in the year. I mean, if, if the first few months of the year don't go the way they hope, uh, there's no reason why they couldn't uh, pull off another move like they did last year at the deadline. So um, I, I wouldn't expect to see Ellsbury go anywhere. Like you said, the contract, he's got a full no trade clause. Uh, they're, they're pretty much locked in with him, but uh Governor and Headley, I, I think that uh, if somebody was interested, especially in Governor, they could do it at the deadline. I think it's safe to say one of the positives from last season was the progression of Didi Gregorius. Uh, after hitting 22 home runs over his first 346 games in the majors, he reached 20 homers last season, um, all the while playing very good defense at shortstop. I know power was up pretty much everywhere in the game last season, uh, but do you think he can maintain this level of production moving forward? Yeah, I think it's sustainable. I think you've seen a pretty nice progression over the last couple of years with Didi. I think you see a young player coming into himself. Uh, I mean, he had all that hype with you know, taking over for Derek Jeter, and he didn't really seem to let that affect him too much. It did, I guess, in the beginning. But once he uh, got that all straightened out and kind of got his emotions in check, he, he, he adjusted pretty well. And I think you've seen the continuation there. I mean, it wasn't too long ago that the Yankees were talking about, well, Didi can't hit left-handers. And they might have to platoon him with Brendan Ryan. Well, if you look at last year's numbers, I mean, that was not a problem. He, he crushed lefties. Uh, he did just fine against them. So I think it's sustainable. Aaron Cockrell said the same thing, the hitting coach. Uh, he believes that what you're seeing is progression of, of a young player who's coming into himself, uh, learning what he can and can't do at the major league level and how to make adjustments. So uh, that, that's exciting. That's part of the reason the Yankees went out and got Didi was his feeling, and they thought that he could reach that given the right opportunity, and uh, it, it seems like he's working right into that. Moving on to the pitching side of things, first with the rotation, Masahiro Tanaka feels like the only sure thing in this group, at least from the perspective of if he's healthy, the results should be there. 
Um, and this was a tough winter to make an addition for a starting pitcher, as you mentioned a little bit earlier. But the rest of these guys are question marks. We know Michael Pineda misses bats, throws strikes, but it feels like he's the most frustrating pitcher on earth at times. Uh, what needs to be done for him to turn the corner here? If I had the answer of how to fix Michael Pineda, I'd be <laughs> an awful lot of money right now. Um, it, it is, it's baffling to look at. You look at the strikeouts for nine innings and, and the number of starts he made, the innings, and that, those are all great. And then you look at the final stats and he's six and 12 with the ERA and the high fours. And it's just like, what happened with this guy? And, you know, I, I don't think I'm breaking any news here, but it looked like he struggled, especially with two outs, uh, two strikes on guys. Uh, you know, it's just about finishing counts, finishing innings. And uh, the Yankees have talked to him about that. They have the catchers remind him that he really needs to, to go for the knockout punch. He, he can't just kind of get lax and, and think, all right, there's two outs, I'm, I'm out of the inning. Because those two out hits seem hard to get back from. I, I think that when you give up a home run with two outs, for some reason it just seems like it hurts a whole lot more than if you give it to the first or second guy in the inning. So mm-hmm. uh, the, the home run ball was a big problem for Pineda. I believe he gave up 27 last year. He needs to get that under control. Uh, this stuff is there, and it's tantalizing. And, and sometimes you see it. Remember that Mother's Day game where he struck out 18, I think, against Baltimore? Yeah. Um, you don't do that just by accident. So it's there at times, but uh, consistency is the key. And I, I think that uh, this is a big year for Michael Pineda. He's going to be a free agent after this. Uh, he could cash in huge. You saw you saw what the starting pitch market was like this offseason. Uh, if Pineda was on that, he could cash in big if he has just a decent year. But if he's able to put together a 14, 15, 16 win season and give the, chance, the Yankees a real chance to win, it, it could be big for him. So, all the reasons for motivation are there. Um, the talent has been there for a long time. Now it's can he put it all together? And uh, I, I guess I guess we're going to find out over the next six or seven months. But uh, he hasn't done it yet, so I, I do have my doubts about it. Yeah, and the back end of the rotation, Luis Severino is somebody I wanted to ask about. Uh, the big expectations for him uh, going into last year, but really hasn't panned out for him so far. Um, what's the belief that he can secure one of these final two spots in the rotation? I think they would love to see it. I, I think they, they they believe that Severino can be a starter. Uh, they would obviously prefer that he be a starter. Look, you can always collapse a, a starter into the bullpen, and he'll be dominant. But uh, it's so much more valuable if you can get a guy out there who's going to take the ball 25, 30 times a year uh, like Severino could. Um, and at the, at the end of 2015, he looked really good. Uh, this was one of the best young pitchers in the game, I think. Uh, the sky was the limit then, and um, it, whether it was the, the fact that he bulked up too much and, and needed more flexibility, I think that last year his changeup really abandoned him. And, and so being a two-pitch pitcher out of the bullpen, you could succeed like that. But needing to get through a lineup two and three times, he really did need that changeup. Uh, he says it's something he would like to throw ideally 18 to 20 times out of 100 pitches if he could. So I mean, we'll see if he ever gets to that point. Um, I, I think that... Uh, as long as he has that as a weapon, can get the touchback. I know he worked with Pedro Martinez during the offseason. I mean, if he can have half of what Pedro did, uh, he'll have a, a big major league career. So I think that uh, we'll see if it translates. But I think Severino knows that what he needs to do, it's just a matter of going out and doing it. And, look, he would not be the first 23-, 24-year-old pitcher to come up, have some success, then hitters figure him out, some trouble, then now he's got to make the adjustment back. and. So I think that, look, if I'm uh, writing out the rotation right now, I'm going to put Severino before, even before he picks up the ball this spring. I think uh, 
the Yankees need him to step up and do it, and I think they're going to give him every opportunity to do it. And last question here. I don't think it was ultimately a surprise to see the Yankees re-sign Aroldis Chapman over the winter, five years, $86 million. Uh, but given where this team is right now, it feels like he's sort of a luxury item for them, especially when they already have Dallin Batances back there. The rotation looks a bit shaky. Do you think that's a fair critique? I do. I, I mean, yeah, for sure. I mean, if you could have gone out and gotten a starting pitcher, I would have rather spent the money there if I'm the Yankees. But uh, I think that they knew that Chapman could handle New York. They know that it's not just for 2017. He's obviously on a multi-year deal, and uh, he's got the opt-out after, I believe, 2019. So, uh, you know, you're really talking about a three-year contract for a guy who, who's going to be your closer. And, and they had something really exciting with the Panthers, Miller, and Chapman. I mean, that was really cool to watch. And they're going to miss Andrew Miller. They will for sure. But I think the fact that you can have two of those guys back and with their rotation being as shaky as it is, if you knew going into the offseason that you weren't going to be able to add a starting pitcher, then at least you have a guy, you, you, at least you have a way that you can say, all right, Sabathia and Pineda and Tanaka can get us from six, then we can hand it off to Clipper, Batances, and then Chapman, and then you got a pretty good shot of going home with a win. And just to wrap things up here, let the people know where they can find you on social media, Twitter, Facebook, stuff like that. Sure. Um, well, Yankees.com is where all the stories go, and at Brian Hoke, B-R-Y-A-N-H-O-C-H, on Twitter and Instagram, and uh, on Facebook at, at Brian Hoke MLB. Thanks again, Brian. All right. Thank you. Uh, just a couple of quick notes uh, to finish off the show today. First, the Rotor World Baseball Magazine is available in stores now, uh, so keep an eye out for that. There's also an online version of the magazine, which will be continuously updated leading into opening day. So if you're getting ready for your fantasy draft, it's a really comprehensive resource for you. Um, go to rotorworld.com for more information on that. If you want to get in touch with this show, you can email rotoworldbaseballpod at gmail.com. Again, that's rotoworldbaseballpod at gmail.com. Any fantasy questions, feedback, uh, you can get in touch with us there. I'm on Twitter at DJ Short. My co-host, Drew Silva, who's doing a bunch of these episodes as well, uh, he's on Twitter at Drew Silva. Till next time, take care. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.